the iron podcast you know what that stands for industry rules of networking and this is about the trials and tribulations of an independent recording artist greetings this is the iron blog industry rules of networking in this particular uh section or episode or blog I'm going to discuss the rise of Iron Workers Guild okay Iron Workers Guild was a collective that was put together in 2007-2008 that consisted of a group of uh, hip-hop recording artists from Muncie and a group of hip-hop recording artists from LaPorte, Indiana. Two different cities in Indiana. A tale of two cities. Now, the leader of the Muncie faction of IWG was myself. And it consisted of Science Born, a man called Relic, Stone Messiah, Sayasose. The Laporte faction of Iron Workers Guild, also known as IWG, was led by a producer slash MC named Wooden Chains, and it consisted of The Problem, Big Pipe, uh, and Shake C. <coughs> the connection, the bond, the link between these two factions was Science Born who introduced me to Wooden Chains. Now the thing that these two factions uh, had in common was a particular vibe I would say I guess but as time went by, we started to notice some uh, differences. There are always differences in groups. But this is the rise of IWG. It's going to be a two-part blog. The fall of IWG will basically uh, break down and analyze the conflicts and uh, issues in the group. But I'm just uh, breaking down the members of the group to to let you know that there was already a divide. We were a combination of two different groups. One was called Lake Effect and the other group ended up being called Hollow Men and uh which is a metaphor for being like unseen or underground or under the radar. <coughs> now the vibe that we shared or that we were into As far as myself and Wooden Chains, the leaders of the two factions of IWG, was a, like a Wu-Tang type sound, uh, not your average commercial top 40 radio sound, it's more of an eclectic, uh, strange, dark type of uh, vibe or sound that we both uh, were fans of, so we hit it off, and uh, you know, I had already had my collective... uh, 
basically consisted of a man called Relic is my brother, and Science Born was a longtime friend of mine, and uh, Stone Messiah was somebody that was a friend of my brother's and around my brother's associates and stuff like that, and then Sai Soze, I mentioned him before, was in a group called Cutthroats, which I was doing uh, <clears throat> some touring with in uh, Fort Wayne and a few other places, uh, Marion, in uh, the year prior to IWG being formed. Now, uh, Iron Workers Guild uh, was a name that was uh, that I found on Wooden Chain's MySpace page. He said, uh, I was looking through his profile or his bio on his MySpace page. This was the days of MySpace before Facebook blew up. And uh, he had a little paragraph. He had a list of random names. One of them was uh, uh, Hardly There in the Missing Persons. In the Missing Persons. And one of them was Iron Workers Guild. And. Uh, I said, what are you doing with that, that title there? Because we had just hit it off and he came from the port to Muncie and brought a bunch of beats and I listened to him and I was like, wow, you know, you're really good and I've been looking for something like this and I ended up recording, uh, doing two songs with him. One was called Suicide Angel and the other one was called By the Hand of God and these I'll post these songs on the blog. And, uh, during this time, uh, I was making a transition from the new hip-hop movement, which is a collective of uh, local Muncie artists that I have formed. And out of these Muncie artists, uh, I started dealing with the cutthroats and nunchos with them. And I ended up uh, working closely with Cyrus Soze, and he ended up becoming a part of Iron Workers Guild. So, uh... <clears throat> We met up, me and Wooden Change, we discussed a few things about hip-hop. He was a big fan of Holocaust, and, uh, you know, so was I. So, he, you know, he said Holocaust was his favorite rapper, and he told me he had a group of artists, and I started, you know, we ended up connecting and doing a few shows together, and this was, you know, around about the time I had caught wind of uh, someone named M80. There's a poster. Oh, wrong way, over there. I'm looking at a mirror image of myself, that's why I pointed the wrong way. That's the time when I actually invited this individual to come to Muncie and perform because he was touring as an artist. He's actually, uh, first time I ever heard of uh, this individual named M80 right here. One thing that I used to do for networking purposes is, you know, you go to Reverb Nation or CD Baby or any of these websites where people post their music and you do a search and you put Indiana and hip hop and see who pops up and depending on what city you're interested in you know you can check out some new music and maybe uh, get in contact well I I found out that there was this guy named M80 in Indianapolis I think was a location on the website and I heard some of the music and I was wasn't really impressed by it you know it's just you know it's always impressive to see someone actually making an effort to release music, but as far as the content itself, I'm uh, not so much picky, but I have a high bar for, uh, no pun intended, for bars. 
So if I'm I'm listening for the cadence, and the flow, and the voice, and all these elements, and and if you sound like a goofball when you're rapping, I'm just not I'm not really into it, you know. So there's a few different things that turned me off by his particular brand of music. But one thing that really did catch my ear was he had a song with Killer Priest from Wu Tang on one of these albums, and I mean this album was just like you know. Uh, basically run-of-the-mill throwaway underground you know like uh, some basement tape and so you know I started asking questions about him and I found out you know I know a few people in uh, Indianapolis and they started telling me things about you know this guy had took the bar or went out to law school in California and whatnot and uh, he had a uh, or he was about to and he had a show, he went to a show where Killer Priest and Dreddy Kruger, Dreddy Kruger of Wu-Tang were performing. Dreddy Kruger is actually a uh, affiliate of Royal Fam and Sons of Man, some Wu-Tang affiliates. These real underground, uh, you know, affiliates of uh, Wu-Tang. And uh, basically he met him at the show, this inmate character, met Killer Priest and Dreddy at the show at the event they were having an indie and basically paid them a lump sum of money to come and record a song with him and they ended up blossoming into a situation where Dre Kruger and M80 after he went to as far as I know as far as when he went to law school in Cali and learned how to write music contracts he and uh, Dre Kruger formed a label called Think Differently Music and one of their first signees was Bronze Nazareth a producer from Detroit so basically I'm laying out all this information uh, to let you know what's going to happen further in this tale of the rise of IWG. So I had, uh, this was around about 2007-2008 when I saw on MySpace that this this guy right here was having a birthday party with uh, Killer Priest, right? And lo and behold, I didn't have transportation, and my brother did at the time, and I was trying to get a ride from him. He wasn't really feeling like going, even though it was Killer Priest, and he's a real big fan of Killer Priest. He really didn't give a fuck at that particular juncture. So lo and behold, the only one that was willing to drive, because I wanted, to, even though I didn't have an ID, that was a bad thing too. I didn't have an ID, so I, I eventually I couldn't get in. But uh, the only person that would drive was Sayasose. So we ended up driving up there, and M80 comes outside, and we talked briefly, and he said he had heard of me before, which was surprising to me, even though I've done a few things in Indianapolis as far as events and networked with artists and stuff like that. And that was that. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this guy's affiliated with Wu-Tang. In my entire life, I have been told that I sound like, well... When I was in high school and I used to rap, everybody said I sounded like Wu-Tang. To me, it wasn't because I actually sounded like Wu-Tang. It was just that in Muncie, the, what everybody listened to was like Top Authority and Spice One and the Dayton family and stuff like that. So if, if I came out and I wasn't talking about hitting switches and pimping bitches and blowing up the world, 
you know, no, no disrespect to people that make that kind of music. That's part of the tapestry of hip hop. But you know, I'm I'm speaking on the prejudice that I face because of the fact that I didn't choose to rhyme in that particular style. So I've been told most of my life that I sound like Wu Tang anyway, so it seemed like a no brainer. There's this guy's working with Wu Tang people, so I'm like, hmm, I'm sitting here thinking that could be a good a good connection. But this happened before the whole IWG thing, but. Basically, when I connected with this producer that sounds wouldn't change, that sounded like Wu-Tang, had beats that sounded like Wu-Tang, like True Master, Fourth Disciple type vibe, you know, kind of like uh, rickety sampling and, and old dusty, dusted loops and dark, creepy sounds and, and weird stuff. Uh, I put two and two together and I was like, you know, I could form a group of artists you know, he's got artists, I have artists. We can take that name Ironworkers Guild and we can turn this into like some big, you know, mob of artists, a network of artists, and we can pitch this to this M80 guy, guy and we might be able to get a, you know, like a deal with some, you know, with a Baby Grand Records or something, or, you know, uh, end up, uh, you know, connecting with some Wu-Tang artists or something, you know? So, I kind of kept... M80's number. That when I when I went up when Sai took me up there to uh, Indianapolis to his birthday party with Killer Priest. I didn't meet Killer Priest that night, but M80 came out and actually talked to me, which was cool. Some guy was there wanted to interview him. Some guy from Indianapolis for some online magazine or something. And uh, we got to talking, and you know he was real cool. And you know, you know I, I do my music thing. I might have gave him a CD. I always had CDs on hand at that time. I was consistently recording and releasing music and uh, you know that was that but I stayed in touch with him and he started in uh, 2000, 2008 I believe 2009, 2008 he started doing a series of events I might have some flyers up here on the wall there's one of them Das Effects he was involved with other promoters as well it wasn't all him but he had connections from networking in the business and uh, basically, he set up a you know a, a monthly or bi-monthly hip hop showcase or event, I would say, with a headliner at a, a place called Spin in Broad Ripple in Indianapolis. Spin nightclub. A lot of people listening to this might know what I'm talking about. And uh, I ended up opening for. It all started out with cannabis which was just me, this is you know, right on the threshold of the whole IWG thing, then we did a show, in, I did a show in Indy with Cannabis, and one in Muncie, and at the Muncie show, I invited Lake Effect, which is Wooden Chain's crew, to perform, and this is basically like the, 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 uh, the cauldron that IWG was forged in, you know, however you want to say it, we were molded in this situation, for me setting up these events and my connections to M80, now, due to the fact that Wooden Chains was also a Wu-Tang fan, he was also very familiar with Bronze Nazareth. He was a big fan of Bronze Nazareth. And, uh, you know, Kevlar 7. Uh, God bless the dead to Kevlar 7. He was, I consider him a close friend of mine, and, uh, and he will be missed. But, uh, this, uh, this is not to mean a disrespectful angle. But I have to I have to engage this 
in order to explain the story in full and this is a concept that I have I have uh, been aware of for quite some time and it's called uh, we'll, we'll put it we'll use uh, a common mainstream term mainstream term which is uh, starstruck if if you meet someone that you are a great fan of a fanatic sometimes you can be starstruck you know you ever see the footage of uh, Michael Jackson when uh, he would perform on stage and uh, you know women would be crying screaming falling over and, and, and fainting and, and uh, you know I used to see that when I was a kid I was like wow he really that's a real powerful person to be able to do that to those people where there, where there are fans of, of sports figures and fans of rappers and fans of singers and fans of actors and actresses or, you know, uh, and and you know they're fans of uh, fans of underground hip hoppers you know when I first did my did the show when I opened for uh, cannabis when I connected with this fella right here and did the cannabis show in Indy I was absolutely shocked I mean, he did hook up with Wyclef and had a short run, had a gold album and stuff like that. But I was just the 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 group of people standing in line for his autograph, like it was you know it was just, it was astounding. And uh, really, to be honest, what was unique about that? Now that I even look at now that I look back at it, back at it, nothing really happened in Indiana like that. So I can't give this this fella right here props. But as time went by, I saw where this fella's head was really going which was not for the culture or for hip-hop it's basically a commodity these underground artists the killer priests and uh, cannabises and you know and I salute these guys I have mad respect for them but in the eyes of someone like this they're just a commodity they're just you know it's like uh, Swedish fish or something sitting on the shelf it's like let's see what I can get out of this I can hike the price up sell it you know finders fee whatever and it's just like you know it's it's not for the actual culture there's a, a term that was coined called culture vultures you know and, and and this isn't to diss any of these artists I have mad respect for these guys but some of these artists in their heyday uh, were, were uh, more popular than they are today so that's where the vulture aspect of it comes from it's like circling in the sky trying to see what flesh you can pick off of somebody you know and uh that's you know a lot a lot of promoters do that I hate to say but this guy multifaceted A&R promoter you name it also thinks he's a great rapper too that guy he has the unmitigated gall and cojones to actually get up on stage during his set and Rap Ghost Faces legendary verses or Killer Priest verse or or ODB looking like a straight goofy Buck dancing off beat Shimmy Shimmy y'all Shimmy Gam Shimmy Gay and uh you know it is what it is but anyway let's get back to the Starstruck thing Starstruck. If you meet somebody that you like, I don't know, like if, if you're a big fan of Steph Curry, my son happens to be a big fan of Steph Curry, 
And I can only imagine if he met him in person how he would react. He would probably be stunned and shocked and his eyes would get big and he would he, he would probably when he walked away he'd probably want to follow him and it's the the aura that someone gives off that you have so much respect for and adoration for that, you know. But th this is he, he's a child, he's a young man. So I can understand that. Now, one thing that I can't seem to wrap my head around is when grown ass men behave like this. And it happens. And it's 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 for people that are mildly famous sometimes. It's just and I and I can understand like I said I have utmost respect. Utmost respect for underground hip hop artists, legendary hip hop artists, Wu Tang, one of my favorite collectives of all time. To me, the only thing comparable to Wu Tang is the Juice Crew. To me, Wu Tang was like the second coming of Juice Crew. You know, a bunch of powerhouses, lyrical, all in one place, and it's just crazy. But Wu Tang took it to the next level, let's be honest. But, you know, I can't help but think when I started seeing the true character of this person right here. I mean, it was it was kind of disgusting to see people that 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 had this mysterious mysterious aura of uh, power and intelligence and and uh, and influence being I don't want to say manipulated, but even doing business with somebody that your average person. And just general interaction and conversation would consider a corn, corny ass motherfucker, a cornball, a goof, or goofy, as they say in the shot. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's continue on this journey. The starstruck aspect of it, when I started connecting myself with the help of this guy to shows and some of that involved ticket buy-ins which I had never done before but for the cannabis show I actually sold all of my tickets and you know as time went by it seemed like it was a you know pay to play situation and there was another promoter actually it's a good friend of mine that created a buffer between me and him and kind of looked out for me sometimes in terms of uh, you know letting him know that we had talent me and the IWG we had talent so, you know, to give us a shot instead of always every single time having to pay. We did do a few ticket buy-ins, but there was a couple times. And then we ended up working with that other promoter when M80 stopped doing events at Spin. But two shows that I worked with, uh, M83, actually, I brought him down to Muncie. And I did a show with him in Fort Wayne, so that's four shows. But the two Muncie shows that had headliners were Cannabis in 2008 and Timbo King in 2009. And Timbo King's a member of Royal Fam and is a Wu-Tang affiliate. And, uh, you know, wooden chains, and not everyone in Lake Effect, wooden chains crew, was a big Wu-Tang, you know, aficionado or fan. Because I recall when we finally ended up connecting, well, to put it this way, we did a show in a Spin, I don't have the fire on the wall, but we ended up doing a show with Wiseman. Which is uh, God bless the dead Kevlar Seven and Bronze Nazareth and uh, Philly and June Megalodon and Beast was in the group at the time and uh, Illa Days. 
and uh, you know they're a very dynamic uh, hip hop collective out of Detroit by way of Grand Rapids and uh, we ended up connecting with them and instantly it was like family so you know the IWG bond between IWG and, uh, and, and Wiseman was great at one point in time and I'll put a video up of our show that we did at Spin. I did a little video beforehand that ended up getting put on uh, Comcast Digital Cable on one of the channels there. It was this guy that had an indie show out of uh, Lafayette. It was called Midwest Nights. And uh, I had been networking with him and I had... Uh, he he came up and recorded us, you know, interviewed us briefly before the show. See, the thing is, I was I was acting as a manager for this collective. I was, you know, you have this guy was a promoter slash A and R. I was like the manager of my group, so I'm talking to him, trying to create opportunities for us, so we can network and branch out and and try to get you know a record deal or or catch the eye or ear of someone that you know might be interested in uh, helping us. Uh, Create, uh, helping to help us build a better, a bigger platform for ourselves. I would say. So, I'm behaving as a manager. So, I will say personally that the whole starstruck thing. I'm not saying that I'm immune to it. I know if I met somebody, if I met RZA, I'd probably be starstruck for a little while, or KRS One, or someone. Else. I, I've met a lot of legends. Though. I met Grandmaster Kaz. I met Cool Herc. I mean, that's you. You can't get any higher than that. I met AZ, I met uh, Jizza from Wu Tang, I met uh, I'm good friends with people like C Ray's Walls, uh, you know, I'm an associate or a uh, you know, a uh, acquaintance with uh, other people that have been doing things. Uh Brett and I from Kill Army, I've, I've shared the stage with him, I actually acted as his hype man, drunk one night in Indy. That was another MA. See, any anything that happens in Indiana that has uh Wu-Tang on it or anything to do with Wu-Tang in Indiana or the Midwest this guy sticks his fucking nose in it Cappadonna you name it Boink! he's there even if he did even if he didn't bring him bring him uh, there he can smell them when they're in town he can smell their cologne so he'll be there but um so anyway we ended up meeting and connecting with Wiseman and I noticed this time went by and through discussions with the iron workers because you got to realize, as I've said in the other blogs, I, I've been doing this for, not to say I'm a pro or a superstar or anything or better or worse than anybody else. It's just like I mentioned before in the blogs. It's the level of experience and, and, and know-how. Knowing what to do and, and how the game goes. And Through discussions with Iron Workers Guild, Wooden Chains, and the problem, and Shake uh, C and stuff. Like I said, not everybody in Lake Effect really felt Wu Tang. I remember getting into a debate with Shake C in which Wooden Chains wouldn't stand up and defend Wu Tang, even though he had told me Holocaust was his favorite. There was there were two instances. There were two instances that actually showed me a, a, a chink in his armor. And, you know, I don't want to get into the fall of IWG. That's that's the second half. But, I mean, I'm going to just graze across a few few topics. As I said before, uh, one of the things that integrity and dignity and all these things, these are moral things that, that are, exist outside the music business. They exist 
it, it's even separate from the art. The art is just creativity, and the, and the business is just numbers and money. But the integrity of a man and the dignity of a man, you know, if I'm talking to you and you say, you know, man, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, man, you got Tiger Woods t-shirt on. Tiger Woods the greatest, man. He's the fucking greatest. Oh, man, I love me some Tiger Woods, man. You know what? I don't. He's been through a lot, man. But you know what? Can't nobody get with Tiger Woods, man, you know. And then somebody that, that you have respect for or, 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 or somebody that you uh, aren't willing to challenge. Says, man, fuck Tiger Woods, man. Tiger Woods ain't shit, man. What you mean, Tiger? Man, that old week. Oh, he did this and he did that. And then the original guy, the guy that was all about Tiger Woods, would be like, hey, yeah, you know what? He's really not that good. That shows that you don't have integrity. It shows that you're spineless and 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 your your opinion can be swayed depending on who's in front of you. And that's not a good quality to have if if you're rolling with a squad. You, you want the squad to be for one common cause. See, Iron Workers Guild, IWG was like a, a workers union. You understand? So that's what I was trying to create. I was trying to create a, uh, like a crew that was standing up for the underground artists, like the underdog that, that had been sh thoroughly shitted upon previously because everybody was that was doing shows or events they were all about star power and we'll see what big star I can stand next to or do a ticket buy-in to stand next to you know and, and act like you know I'm, I'm a big shot because I'm opening for somebody and we were like we'll engage in the ticket buy-ins and the fanfare and the hoopla but also we have talent and we're, we're trying to create a bigger platform for ourselves and eventually you realize that people like this the opportunities that they're actually uh, organizing and setting up are opportunities to line their own pockets. And not opportunities to make you seen or to push you forward or to nurture the local scene. They don't give a fuck about you or your talent or anything you stand for or your mama. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. It's at the end of the day, you have to you have to make your own uh, opportunities. But you know, it, it it is great to have people like this that that through their networking can uh, have situations like that jump off. Because you know, some of those uh, occasions that we uh, where we open for people like Cannabis and Killer Priest and stuff, those are uh, great events. You know, you know that's the rise of IWG. We toured. We did. We opened for. Doodlebug of Doodle Plants is a Grammy award winning hip hop group. Uh, we opened for Timbo King, Cannabis. We did a few local shows. You know, we were excited that we were around these people. Bronze Nazareth. We ended up connecting with Bronze and going to Detroit and recording. But about the the whole Starstruck thing. See, I'm trying to avoid it because I don't want to. <coughs> I kind of delved into it a little bit. But, you know, it's like. You you gotta if you believe in something you gotta stand next to it. So if 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 I'm if I say Holocaust of Wu Tang is the greatest fucking rapper that's ever touched a fucking microphone, I'm gonna stand by that. Now I don't think he's the greatest, but if you think he's the greatest and you're rolling with me, I'm gonna expect you to stand up. If you've been telling me ever since I've known you that he's the greatest, I'm gonna expect you to stand by it, no matter who's in the room. Now, there happened to be certain people in the room that didn't agree with this perspective, and all of a sudden, wooden chains 
whole opinion started transforming before my eyes. So I was like, hmm, that's peculiar. Oh well, you know, whatever. But you know, these things, I make mental notes and these things stick in my mind because it's the character I'm looking at. The character of a person. Somebody looking at this might be like, oh, that's not a big deal. You know, people can say, no, but that's not, that's not how I get down. I look at the character of the person. And I pay very closely to the statements people make. And I pay uh, very closely to their actions and how they behave in certain situations because that lets me know where their heart's at. So another particular thing is when we went to, Indi uh, not Indianapolis, but Detroit to uh, work with Bronze when we were, you know, we ended up doing a show with them at Spin and Bronze invited, they invited us, Wiseman did, to record in their studio Black Day in July in Detroit. We were ecstatic about that, you know, because this is, you know, a legendary event for us. And, uh... We were waiting in the uh, parking garage in Detroit to meet up with uh, Bronze. And uh, Kevlar, God bless the dead, pulled up with uh, Illidays. Was, you know, I got a lot of love and respect for those guys. And uh, we were in, in, in the middle of an argument where Shake C, one of the members of Lake Effect, one of Wooden Change Boys, was basically saying that the RZA was... Pretty much, he said that the RZA was whack. Pretty much is what he said. So, I'm not really somebody who's going to readily jump up to defend, you know, somebody that I don't know. Like that, in that situation, you're entitled to your opinion. But what I'm trying to do is, since I disagreed with that, that the RZA's whack as an artist, I started naming off songs and reciting lyrics and talking about beats and, well, he produced this for Biggie and... He did this, he created Wu-Tang, and there's no groups been like Wu-Tang, and he orchestrated this, and he's doing movies, and he's this and that. I don't even know if he's directing movies back then, but he was, I think he was doing soundtracks. And, and I looked to Wooden Chains, and Wooden Chains is like, man, hold up, man, I thought you said Holocaust was your favorite. I thought you said one of your inspirations was RZA, man. Like, what happened? Nothing to say. So it's like, you know, when you get around people like that, even even little telltale signs like that let you know someone's character. It, it It's a weakness in your character. You know, they, they, you can't, if you're with somebody, that that's somebody, for instance, if, if you're, that's somebody that you'll go out, and I'm not on no crime shit, but you know, somebody that you'll go out and do dirt with, and then when y'all get caught, that'll be the person to be like, oh, I don't have nothing to do with it, man, you know, it was all him, you know. That's just, it's the same type of, it's the same type of character flaw. It's like a, it's like a, uh, a, a moral hernia. You understand? Is what it is. So, uh, and you can read these things even from something as simple as, as as opinions about things, because it's not really so much their opinion that I'm talking about. It. You're entitled to your opinion, but when your opinion shifts, depending on who's around you, that shows a weakness of character, right? So these are one of the things I noticed. Another thing I noticed before that was, you know, being starstruck. It's like uh, if you have a plan going into a situation, if you have a plan going into a situation, and and and, and you're in, in a squad that that's that's trying to make a revolutionary impact. 
I, I, I did my best to present what my plan was and to ask and discuss the plan and have meetings. I scheduled meetings. I went as far as to make copies of a uh, a uh, seminar I got from disc makers that was talking about the music industry just to educate, put some fat on people's heads, you know, members of the group. I did printouts. I discussed what my plan was. You know, I wanted to do a mixtape, uh, March of the Martyrs, which we ended up doing. I wanted to do an album called Behind Iron Curtain, which we ended up doing. And I wanted to do a second album called The Work Ethic. And then I wanted to do a production compilation with Wooden Chains producing all the beats and IWG mixed with a bunch of Wu-Tang guest features called Chain Link Fences. And that's what the plan was that ended up, we only got halfway there before the group disintegrated. And I'm not going to say that I didn't have a hand in that because, you know, I'm not a flawless person. And uh, I, I do sometimes, I say things that I regret when I talk to people. So I think I could have maybe been a better leader and articulated my opinions in a, in a, in a better manner than I did. So I, I'll just get that out there because, you know, I, I don't. I don't hold ill will towards many people. I guess you could say I hold grudges against people, but you know, I don't hold ill will towards people about things that I've moved past. Now, the actual, the aspect of the character that I disagree with, I, I still hold those. I still hold that opinion when it comes to evaluating someone's character. But, you know, people grow, and I haven't talked to these guys in years, so I'm sure, you know, we all have situations we go through, and we end up, you know, growing up as people and, and learning to do better. I know at least a few of them probably have, and a few of them haven't, that I know for certain haven't. Well, I won't say for certain, but I don't know. So, basically, the starstruck thing. If you go into a situation with a plan, and you meet... And your plan is when you start interacting with these these people of a higher stature than yourself in in the music industry, you want to make sure that 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 you are creating opportunities for yourself, you know. And sometimes, if if you surround yourself with the wrong people when you get into this situation, when you start rubbing elbows and getting around these people, see the way to play it cool is if you believe truly believe in your own talent, you're going to look at them as a peer. You're going to look at them as an elder and have respect for them as an elder or someone that's made it there before you. But if they're embracing you like a brother, then that means you're on equal ground. So all that starstruck shit should go right out the window. It should fly right out of the fucking window. But I did sense a lot of... And, and you know, another thing is, is that, you know, I had been doing this for 10 years before I met these guys. And as far as I know, Lake Effect had only done one or two shows. I think Shake C had done some shows. He was from he's from Louisville. And he had something going on, a record deal back in the day and stuff. And he had prior experience. But most of these guys wouldn't change. The Problem, Big Pipe. These guys hadn't done, I think, maybe one or two shows ever. And, you know, I had uh, 10 years of experience on them. And, you know, I may, I may have, you know, came across a little arrogant. You know, in my in my presentation at times, but I meant well for the group, and I saw the vision of what could happen with the group if we played our cards right. But sometimes it's hard to navigate around your own ego and around others' egos. And to me, if I'm, I think that you know there, there are situations where you're entitled a little bit of arrogance. If you're the one pulling the strings and pushing the levers to to, to make this boat float, 
if you're the one setting up, if you're reaching out to people to network and establish connections and setting up contacts and, and setting up studio sessions and and uh, 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 facilitating an opportunity to 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 get around some of these guys, the the, the C Ray's walls and the uh, Killer Priest and the and the uh, the uh, Bronze Nazareth, you know, you're trying to create opportunities for yourself. And, and you want the respect of these people uh, for them to look at you as a peer. And, you know, almost out the gate, they co-signed our talent and our ability and our and our drive. And I never presented myself as, hey, I'm the manager of this thing. I'm the brain of this thing. If you ever see me in IWG promo materials, I had a mask on. I wore a black hockey mask, you know, sometimes. I was in the background. I was just... I presented myself as just the rapper, another rapper in the squad, but I was the one making the phone calls, the emails, setting up the contacts, getting the tickets for the ticket buy-in, everything, setting up all the plans. So I feel even if I behave with a little bit of arrogance that I'm entitled to just a little bit of arrogance. Because if I'm doing a lot of work to push this thing forward, then I, then I think I should be able to call shots. And once I've already proven myself, and we're on stage and, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, uh, Michigan somewhere doing shows with somebody that we were just listening to their CD a matter of a year ago and in all basking in the awe and glory of their talent now we're on stage with these guys we're hanging out with these guys you know and I busted my ass to make that happen you know and it's like it seemed to me that once it got to a certain point everyone the group started you know the, the starstruck aspect of it. it it made the plan not matter anymore why does it why does this plan what's up with this plan I, I just don't understand it I don't but what's the end game here what are we, you know and you know everybody starts having their own uh, agendas and some people come into it with their own agendas they start saying hey the reason why these guys are working with me is not because somebody created all these great opportunities to get my talent heard See, I believe these guys had talent to begin with. Wooden Chains. I believe Wooden Chains was a great producer to begin with. That's the reason why I felt that, you know, uh, us as a group would be uh, appealing to a, to an audience that was used to listening to Wu-Tang. So if we start connecting with and working with these people, become their peers and get on their level, it, it's only better for us. But, you know, as time goes by, people uh, stop seeing the importance of a plan and it's just a matter of who you're rubbing elbows with. You know, the whole IWG thing didn't matter anymore. It was just like, I'm working with this guy. But, um, so I won't delve too. I guess I did get a little bit into the fall of IWG, didn't I? But, uh, you know, as far as the rise goes, we did we did a lot of great things. Um, one, uh, I know what I'll address for the fall of IWG. I'm pretty much freestyling all this. But for the fall of IWG... I'll address Muncie Music Fest because that was kind of like a turning point for us as a group and I'll talk about that in the next section but uh, just know that you know Iron Workers Guild as a team I think it made a great it made a tremendous impact I think that this guy right here M80 as much as a fuckboy as he is he did create opportunities uh, for us by you know bringing some of these artists that hadn't been in Indiana before you know the the dots effects and the and the black sheeps and you know uh, uh, the uh, cannabis Keith Murray you know in Indy that you know I'm sure a lot of big names like that and underground names have been in Indy before but it was just like a series of these things 
and we were all right up in the mix but everybody we connected with ah there's another thing too the encounter with M80 in Detroit yes the one where he told me that I wouldn't be breathing the same air as all these guys if it wasn't for him and that you know you know see that's when the, the ego and the arrogance starts coming out you know the, the see, see the thing about Merc Versus and the thing about my associates and my cohorts and compadres is that our power is not in where we're from our power is not in who we're standing next to our power is not in the people that we know that have money and how much money they can throw at us our power is in our talent if you hand me a microphone and put on a beat can I say something that's gonna make you be like damn if so alright salute me alright if my boy can do the same salute him if we're goddamn if we're all together and all of us can do that well that's a pretty goddamn nifty thing don't you think seven eight guys on stage male or female whoever it may be a crew of motherfuckers that can all spit that are all talented this guy can make beats and that guy can build websites but they're all ill spitters like that's what the game's about what happened to the music B you know I mean there's so many people I know that were even members of IWG Sia Soze for example you know he took up the, the craft the art of uh, video making and he ended up in a haphazard way connecting with this guy and it started instead of it being about music it's about look I'm standing next to Killer Mike look I'm standing next to Jizza look I'm in uh, California and I just met Crooked Eye I mean it stopped being about you and your talent what are you bringing to the table opportunities to bring your music forward it's hey look I'm eating cake with Busy Bone at um, at uh, some restaurant it's like you know and and that that whole celebrity thing I think is it's is what's wrong with the game I mean under, underground hip-hop wasn't you know the underground underground and above ground there's no separation anymore these are old-school terms that I'm using I'm just used to using them but it's all about the talent it's all about the talent can you make crooked eye not without paying him, without doing a favor for him, without doing a video for him, without your boy booking him a show. Can you meet Crooked Eye in a fucking uh, a fucking truck stop bathroom and spit a 16-bar verse that'll make his fucking eyes twirl? Can you do that? If you can, salute you because that's what game's about. That's what the game's about. People add steroids to the game nowadays. It's all about who you know. Or what you're doing for somebody and 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 the substance of of what this is all about what this all revolves around the talent and the music gets lost so now you're looking at a game where it's like you know people talk about if you look at any of uh, any videos on YouTube about music who's fucking who who's beefing with who who just bought a new car what new fashion designer what new sneaker line they've got out what new slang term is, is popping you know who who insulted who on what blog? Who's getting arrested? Who's dating who? What about the music, B? I think that's enough for this one. But uh, I can get a little more in depth in the future. Uh, part two coming up. IWG, the fall of IWG. Once again, I will say Iron Workers Guild IWG 
was a great collective and we, we had potential to do some very big things but when you're dealing with an A&R that says I can get you signed a baby grant but only if you pay me five thousand dollars it kinda gives you like sour grapes kinda feeling of the game it's like damn I thought this was about ill beats and great raps but it's really about a bunch of fuckery and bullshit bumberclap bullshit